Good morning, Grinders. Welcome to DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender at Blender HD. And this is the show where we go over a little bit. We'll touch on uh, yesterday's slate. It was a small one, right? Five game slate. Talk a little bit about today's slate, which is a much bigger one, right? 12 games. I don't know if there's any weather problems that'll that'll cut one off the schedule, but uh, but I'm here. This is where we review. We talk about strategy. I answer your questions in the YouTube chat. I see you guys, Jerome Lewis, Suki Singh, Chandler Cannon, Zach Hobbs, Edward Brown, Matt Mears, Dave Spag, Frederick Dute, Daniel Hutchings. What's going on? You know what to do. First things first, hit that thumbs up button. Hit the thummy thumbs for the apple juice. I got my brand name apple juice. It's pretty cold this morning. Keep it cold throughout the show. Hit the subscribe button. If you're new here, the notification bell to know when we go live. We got show. We got shows coming up later today. NBA Grinders Live. MLB Grinders Live. I'll be on that. I'm filling in. Filling in for Stevie. So it'll be me and uh, Chris Kirkwood. Kirk D's on uh, on that show later, later today, and then crunch time for premium members. I don't think we have free one today. I think that's just for premium. Uh, but yesterday, yesterday was uh was was not was not a was not a not necessarily a good day, right? It's not gonna be a good day when uh when uh, you don't take the team that scores 14 runs and you took the pitcher against them, right? So that's that's not gonna work out, right? Not going to work out when uh, when I, I hand built a bunch of GPP lineups. Cash games I actually did fine. Cash cash I made money, but in GPPs I I, I made twelve lineups. I just hand built twelve lineups. Single entry stuff. I played like the one fifty warning track, the one twenty one single entry. Played like the eighty eight one entry into the eighty eight one entry into the forty four all on DraftKings. Uh, and I decided that obviously the shot combination yesterday was Molly and Wood. And obviously that got there, 54, 50, 50% owned. I didn't expect Kirk Gibson to be this owned. I actually thought he was going to be way lower on than that. I thought Luke Weaver would be where Kirk Gibson was going to be owned. Uh, so my, my attitude was, I thought the, the ownership was going to go from Wood, number one, Molly, number two, Weaver, number three, then like Gibson, Keller, Martin Perez, and you know, garbage under that. So to attack one of those pitchers. Do I, do I want to play the Pirates against Molly? Do I want to play the Rangers against Wood? Do I want to play the Marlins against Weaver? I chose the Marlins against Weaver. And then in order to obviously not have the chalk pitching combination, uh, I played Mitch Keller against uh, the Reds. And that did not, it was fine for three innings. Worked out fine for three innings. Fourth, what that fourth inning? No, that's when he gave up six runs. So uh, that did not work out, and the Reds went on to score fourteen. So, uh, so no, so that and we and Weaver got there, and right because the, the Marlins, the Marlins didn't do much, right? So Weaver got Weaver got twenty seven point eight five and only seventy five pitches. He got pulled six six and a third in uh, for whatever reason. I have no idea. Uh, so, so it was not a good day in GPPs yesterday for me. And we could see here with the with the pitching ownership, like we have like like uh, NC Orfield eight K, try to get a little bit different at pitcher, but more Garcia Holloway go cheap there. He didn't. I mean, he only pitched two innings. Uh, 
Yet we have like a hubra who's just like, I'm going to take, I'm going to take the chalk pitcher combination and get different elsewhere. And then we have Ricky D who played very little wood and actually stacked against him. So we see in, in Ricky D's exposures, we could look here. You see, he was under on all the chalk and he just hardcore just went tons of Rangers. Kiner Falafa, uh, Garcia, Solak. So like, but that's Ricky D style, right? A very high variance. He takes, he takes a very big strategic position and builds a ton of lineups around him. Uh, so so he, I, he had a couple of lineups that were high enough that were that obviously were not uh, Ranger stacks. But then we have the Colts, who primarily went, uh, I mean, we have a bunch of Ice and Diaz because he was cheap at second base, but he played a bunch of Reds. So obviously he's going to be towards the top. But we see across a lot of these uh, 150 maxers that they took primarily different stances because on a five-game slate, like how many choices do you have, right? There are clear spots for leverage. What choices are you going to make? Either you're going to eat the chalk pitchers and get different with your stacks. So we see with their a hub row, like Ison Diaz, Kyle Tuck. Well, he still took a bunch of the Astros who were kind of chalky, right? We take a look here. I got pretty much the Red Sox. We got Bogarts, Devers, Marwin, Verdugo, JD. Yeah, that was the chalk stack, Boston. And then we have Houston, I guess, right? Jordan Alvarez, 22%. Bregman, 18 Altuve, 16 So they were probably number two. And then I think the Reds. The Reds and then kind of the Angels. Like that was that was the chalk. But I thought uh, if if I could still play the chalk if I just played Keller, and Keller was twelve percent owned, so that that was that was my that was my uh, decision point. I'm going to attack Weaver, play the Marlins, and then play them with the Red Sox, with the Astros, with the Angels, and then play Keller. So that that was attack Weaver, play Keller. Didn't work out. Obviously, it should have been the other way around, right? Play Weaver, attack Keller. That would have worked out, but I I didn't do that. Here, Brick seventy five, still a bunch of Ice and Diaz, Corey Dickerson, uh, Jesus Aguiar. So yeah, so Brick seventy five kind of went my route also. I don't know how much Keller that he played. Yeah, still seven percent or something like that. But but Marl heavier heavier on the Marlin stacks, right here. Scroll down a bit. Yeah, Brinson, Anderson, Cooper. Yeah, it's all Brick 75. We go down to other people. Duggar, that's a Giants stack. Giants. Giants, Tochman. Okay, Posey. So need lunch money. Took more of a stand. I mean, not, not much of a stand, but more of the Giants. Trout was 20% owned. People had him across the board. But we can see here a lot, like just under on the Red Sox and the Astros, especially if you were taking the chalk pitchers. No, that makes sense. I mean, other than that, though, what else what happened? What else happened yesterday? That was pretty much it. It's a five-game slate with the sixth game, the Coors game got you know postponed. 
So he didn't have that. I would have preferred that. Because then ownership would have went over there and then you could have gotten some of these teams for, for, for a discount. Uh, Chandler Cannon. Generally, if you watch the optimal ownership rise, would it be logical to raise your own ownership sum limit because you don't need to be as different as if the optimal ownership was lower? Well, you don't necessarily have to just go by the optimal because most people are stacking. So you're looking, you're looking at stacked lineups. But it depends on the contest that you're in. How much, how much different do you need to be? In baseball, you, you could be very different. You don't, you don't need, to, you don't need to play the chalk bats. If anything, I don't mind eating the eating the ownership of pitcher, but I don't mind playing a three percent own stack, even though it's 30, 40 percentage ownership points lower. It still projects decently well. That's perfectly fine. It depends on the contest that you're in, obviously. But on a slate with five games, I mean, to me, there's very clear decisions. You can't be, there's only 10 teams on the slate. How are you going to find leverage? Well, if you play the two chalk pitchers, you have to get off the board with your stack. If you're going to play a, a contrarian pitcher, then you can play more chalky bats. If you're not going to play a chalky pitcher, why don't you could also, to get extra leverage, stack against them. So I understand Ricky D stacking against Wood. I understand stacking, playing Keller, and, and then stacking against Weaver. Brick, Brick played the Marlins. I, there you go. Not in all the lineups, but just more lineups than than most. The slate coming up now with twelve games. Ah, now, now you get more options. Like there's a much, there's a bigger difference on. Like taking one of the chalkier pitches, like if you played the Pirates or you played the Rangers against Molly or Wood, on a five-game slate, that's much more doable than on 12-game slate. Only because how many options do you have on a five-game slate? If there's a 50% on pitcher on a 12-game slate, like, well, I'm going to stack against a 50% on pitcher. Well, you can with a 2% on, 1% on whatever. But you could probably find a 2%, 1% on whatever in some other game anyway. Yes, you're not getting the extra leverage of when your stack does well, the chalk pitcher dies. But do you need that? You have. You have. There's 24 teams on a slate. Today's slate. I mean, if we take a look at today's slate, let's go to DraftKings. Look at today's slate. Right now, we have ownership Bueller, Peralta, Stroman. Means really 10.3k for means. Are people going to pay that? I don't know. Brady Singer against the against the Tigers and he's 5,700. Is anyone going to be that owned? Are you going to play the Cardinals? Like, let's say you played the Cardinals against Peralta or the Orioles against Stroman or the Mariners against Bueller. It's like, well, there's look, look at how many teams are on the slate. We go to the bats. Our initial ownership, like we have obviously San Diego, the Coors game, Tatis, Grissom, Cronenworth, Machado, yeah, San Diego, Will Myers against Senzatella. Then we have Washington against against Chase Anderson, right? 
because they're cheap. Castro, Bell, Soto. Those are, the, those are like the, the chalky stacks as of now. But if we take a look at like, let's say you're going to stack against Peralta with St. Louis. Like, let's just, let's just for argument's sake. So we go to St. Louis. I mean, they're, look, they're one, 2% owned, obviously. Obviously, they don't, they don't project well. I mean, also, right? 3.34 implied team total. But if we go to another, we go to the, the White Sox against Maeda. 1% owned also. We go to Minnesota against Cease. So 2 3% there. We go to, let's see, Miami against Bumgarner. What? Other than Garrett Cooper, what? 6%, 3%, 2%? There's plenty of other stacks that are the Royals against Boyd, 6%. Okay, that's a little bit higher. The Yankees against whoever they're pitching, Patino and a long reliever, 2%, 4%. So when you're looking like, oh, I'm going to stack against Peralta, it's like you're getting a, you're getting a 1-2% owned stack. And you're getting the extra leverage because Peralta is going to be owned. But is that as necessary when there are other 2 or 3% owned stacks to begin with on the slate? On a five-game slate, obviously the ownership at pitcher gets much more condensed. There's only 10 options to play for stack-wise. So since I only have 10 options and there's going to be two, three chalky pitchers, those two or three stacks are going to get, get you extra leverage on a slate where the high-owned stuff is going to be even higher owned because there's there's only so few, there's so, so little options. So don't automatically go, especially on large slates, to who's the chalky kind of SP2 guy, right? Not the greatest of pitchers, someone that could get blown up. And let me take five guys against him. Well, I mean, you could probably find a stack as owned as that stack Against the worst pitcher, not the hot, not a horrible pitcher, but against the worst, even though that pitcher is not owned. But don't let me stop you from from doing it. You can, but don't automatically go there. Oh, who's going to be the highest owned pitcher? I'm going to stack against Walker Bueller. Remember, your stack still has to come in with a lot of runs. So it's not a matter of, oh, Walker Bueller gives up five runs. And I got the stack against him. It's like, yeah, but if there's a team on the slate that puts up 12 in some other game, your stack doesn't matter anymore. On a five-game slate, it's less likely to happen. It's only five games. Here, there's 12 games. Unless you think Walker Bueller is going to get blown up for 10 runs. But most of the time, people are rostering those pitchers because they're the best projected pitchers on the slate. So even if they, even if they dud... They're dudding with eight points and they still get, they give a four or five runs, but the stack still doesn't get there. So don't automatically go to, that's where you get the leverage. Let me do it every slate. Going through the YouTube chat. Let's see. Edward Brown, what can we do about these payout structures? Came 95th in the 48,000 person contest. The payout just pissed me off. There's nothing you could do. All you could do is make lineups that could try to get first place. If you're not building lineups with first place equity, don't play those contests. Those contests are not about making the safe plays, the best plays. 
quote unquote, the projected plates. But aiming for first place, if you aim to, you can see right there, came in 95th. You got what? A set of steak knives. You get nothing. You get like 4X your money or something. You beat what? 47,000 people for entries. Of course, 95th ain't good. Sometimes eighth isn't good, right? Some of these payout curves. I'd love them to be flatter at the top. I don't mind the 95th place. Screw you. Whatever it is, it is. The difference between first, first and tenth. That's where. That's where it needs to be. Fifty thousand, and then it's like two thousand by the time you get to seventh place. And the difference between seventh and first could be like three points. That that's what I'd rather change than no. Who cares about ninety fifth place? You're not playing for ninety fifth place. Michael Dompier asks, uh, Wood and Molly both have had both had great matchups, but the bat had their ceiling close to Weaver, Gibson, and Garcia. Even though they worked out in large field GPPs, do you think those two were over-owned? Yes. That's why I played. That's why I played other pitchers. I mean, really, like Weaver, Gibson, Garcia, Keller should have been closer on. I think Wood and Molly, their efficient ownership was probably 35%. Probably still the highest on pitchers. But it's so it's so much easier in baseball to get different with your bats. That just playing the highest projected pitchers a lot of times is 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 an easier way to go. You feel more comfortable in those situations. Cuz it's like you know you have enough leverage. Right, you're playing a five-man stack. You're playing an Orioles stack, right? You're doing something like that. You're playing a three percent on one-off, and you're just like, okay, so I play Molly and Wood. They're the two best projected pitchers. Easier to build that way, but a lot of people do it. That's why I'm like, how do I get off one of these? Play a play Keller instead, and then I could then I could still play a Boston stack. I could still do that. Boston plus Miami, right? Like something like that. It's like, okay, this is different. Didn't get there. Of course not. But thinking about it in those terms, especially on a five-game slate. Oh, boy. Let's see. Yeah, Monster 01 has the the right, that does my type of thing. I play fewer lineups in those contests and more likely to max out flatter payouts within my limits, right? Play less lineups, but play lineups with first place equity. So if you're going to play those large field stuff, you know, if you normally play 20, let's say, into that contest, well, maybe play 10. But then make those 10 lineups, each of those 10 lineups, like this could win first place. This lineup could win for, and, and if it comes in last, it comes in last. Who cares about 95th place? Don't worry about that. Well, I only have 10 lineups. I got to play it safe. No, that that's dead money. The less lineups you have, the more risky you should be. Because you're not, you're not, your volume is lower. You're not, you're not uh, investing as much money. So they what the, the that big GPP and drafting today is what sixteen bucks. So instead of three hundred and twenty dollars for twenty entries, put one hundred and sixty dollars for ten entries. 
Make each of those 10 entries. Like, this is weird, and this could win first. This is weird. This could win first. If you lose all 10 lineups, then that's so be it. Now, if you did that for a hundred lineups, you'll be you'll have a lot of slates where you lose 1600 bucks like that, or you'll lose most of it. You put in 16, you get back 300. When you're playing higher volume, more entries, I can understand retaining some equity by not playing 150 all high variance lineups. Do nutso things in all of them. You do little nutso things in, in most of them. Doesn't mean you're still you're not building safe lineups. But you're not building like completely leveraged city type of lineups. J10, with uh, baseball being such high variance, which GPP type contest would you put your cash game lineup in? 20-man single entry for a little upside. Triple ups and quintuple ups. That's it. 20-mans, I guess. If anything, make a second lineup. If you're going to put it into single entry and whatever, build build the chalk lineup with a stack. At least on DraftKings 4, 4 to 5-man stack. At least do that. But I would say triple ups and quintuple ups. Right, 3x, 5x, that's fine. You're playing, your cash lineup is typically going to be a lineup that's not stacked, that has high ownership. So you're doing the worst. You're doing the worst of both worlds for GPP. Play a high-owned lineup that's correlated. Okay, fine. Play an unstacked lineup that's that's not owned. Okay, but that's not much of a cash lineup. Like neither of them are, are cash lineups. But it's a progressive payout contest. The only reason you don't do that in double ups is because coming in in a 112 man, whatever double up or 120 man, like top 50, who cares? Come in 49th, come in second. If he pays the same amount, those extra points don't matter. You just have to make it to the halfway point. But in GPP contest, progressive, they progressively pay out. You come in the top 25, you get double. If you come in the top 10, you get 3X. If you come in the top two, you get 5X. I mean, like it goes up, the more points. So you want to have access to those more points, that more money. And you do that by increasing the variance of your lineup. And obviously that goes against what you should be doing in double ups. Double ups, you should be limiting the variance in your lineups because you don't need first place. You just need the top half, right? Top 45% or whatever. Double up, triple up, top 30, 30, 30%. Quintuple ups, top 20%, you know, like, you don't need first. Coming in eighth in a quintuple up gonna get you paid, right? In a 62 man, whatever. So you don't need first. You don't need third. You just need to, everyone gets paid the same amount. The single entry GPPs or whatever, you should you should play, you should play GPP lineups for that contest. Alex Santi says three mans and five mans. Yeah, you could do that also. Well, same, it's the same type of thing. A three-man is what? A triple-up? A five-man is a quintuple-up. I mean, it's the same thing. Just that, obviously, you're only playing against two opponents or four opponents, but it's the same type of concept. 
today's slate. Let's go on with weather. Let's check the weather. Let's check the weather. Anything we should be looking out for. Roth's initial forecast. Oh, not, not much. I guess yeah, orange, uh, yellow, orange, and in, in cores. There's enough rain early for a late start, but I expect them to get the game in after the rain clears. Okay. Nothing else. Yellow pop-ups in Atlanta. New York. Some light rain. It doesn't look it doesn't look all that bad today. It doesn't look all that bad today. We may get we may get all the games. We may get all the games. We're looking on. I wanted to show you this. Uh so if you have the bat. And you want to get a sense of like how the projections are for the entire slate. Like obviously you can look at the pictures. So I mean I could look at pictures like individually, right? I don't mind looking at the picture screen. The problem is is when it comes to team stacks, like you could go to individual teams and see the projections. Like pictures I don't mind. So pictures I'm looking here. I'm like based on the bat projections as it's like 10 in the morning, which I don't even have no card any of the Cardi's adjustments are in. We could see Singer, Wilson, Stroman, Peralta, Cease, right? Matt, Matt Boyd, 6,300. That's, that seems too cheap. We used to pay 10K for him, remember? So I'm just looking at pictures. I'm like, okay, here's some of the top projected pictures, point per dollar. Okay. So maybe we're not playing means, right? He comes further down. Bueller doesn't even project, Right. I mean, look, according to this, Peralta is the highest raw projection higher than Bueller, and Bueller's 400 more. I'm looking at the pictures, so I'm like, okay, here are the pictures. But now when it comes to the to the bats, I'm like, so what teams rate out well, point per dollar-wise? Well, the bat has a stack projection page, right, for DK and, and FanDuel. So you can go here, and what it'll show you is the team, the opposing pitcher. The, this is the average of a four or five man. You can see here, it's, it has a description. A four or five man stack of that team. So the point per dollar value of that. And then out of that point per dollar value, how many of those come in the top 25, top 50, top 100, top 20, 250, top 500, top 1,000? From a point per dollar value, this isn't a simulation or anything. So I could see right here and I go, okay, the Angels project well. The Brewers project well for their for their salary. Tigers, Marlins, Royals, Nationals. But we could see here that like the Padres obviously have a high ceiling, but they're expensive, right? The Dodgers have a high ceiling, right? 87, Braves, they're just expensive. We go here, we can see the Nationals, the Phillies, Right, they have very similar ceilings, but a little better point per dollar value. The Angels don't have a high ceiling at all against McCullers. They're really cheap because Otani, because Otani's pitching, and he's not going to be in the lineup. So a lot of that, especially on DraftKings, is driven by some like godforsakenly cheap players that just end up in your stack. So like if we go to the Angels, for instance. Like without Otani in the lineup, we get a 2.5K Upton, a $2,100 Rojas, a $2,800 Iglesias. I mean, look at the bottom of the store. Look at four through nine. It's all under 3K. 
And Walsh is 3,800. Fletcher's 3,200 and Trout's 58. So like, so you could make a five-man. I mean, this is cheap as hell. So that's why it's coming up well point per dollar. But look at the bottom of this lineup. Rojas, Iglesias, Ward, John Jay, and Kurt Suzuki. Not really not really the, the, the pinnacle of, of hitting. But they're just extremely cheap in comparison to the salary structure on DraftKings. Because remember, the highest priced guy is like 6K. So when you're 2K, you're like really cheap. 2K on DraftKings is much cheaper than 2K on FanDuel. So that's why we can take a look at the draft. You go Brewers, Tigers, Marlins. The only reason they show up good point per dollar is because they're so cheap. Tyrone Taylor batting third is 2K. Billy McKinney is 2K. Avi Garcia is under 3K, 2,900. So really cheap. So from a median perspective, they rate out point per dollar. If I were if I were to, to not look at this and not care or whatever and build a whole bunch of lineups... I would get a a whole ton because remember the optimizer, just the calculator. It's going to try to jam in fantasy points, median fantasy points. So if I just put it on, it would just going to be a lot of angel stacks and brewer stacks and tiger stacks with an Acuna one-off with a trout one-off with the two expensive pitchers. Like that's what it's going to do. So what you should do is exploit that. Know that like they're cheap. They're going to give you some cheap Tyrone Taylor one-offs, right? Justin Upton. Maybe you want that. But this could show this. So, like, if I just ran it, I'm not going to get that many Padres. Like, let's do that on DraftKings. If I did that on DraftKings, so just based on, I didn't do anything. I'm just looking at this. I'm like, I'm going to put in a 5X and build 150 lineups. I'm assuming I'm going to see a lot of Angels Brewers. I'm going to see a ton of Angels and Brewers. I'm going to see Nationals. I'm going to see some Phillies. I may get a, a Padres one-off. I may get a Titis one-off. A Machado one-off. I may get the Padres as like one-offs. The Braves as one-offs. The Dodgers maybe as one-offs. The Astros as one-offs. But probably not as a stack. Just by this. Just by, just by pure math. Because it's trying to jam in median fantasy points. So I'm going to go, I'm going to put it in 5X for 100. Okay, and that's it. Build rules. Number unique, but just do 150. That's it. Just build. Build 150. What five-man stacks show up? I mean, I'm giving it no constraints whatsoever. But based on the point-per-dollar values, I'm going to expect to see a lot of, a lot of angels and brewers. In stacks, primarily... And I may see, let's see, maybe I see some Nat stacks, some Mar- maybe some Marlin stacks, some Philly stacks, probably not Blue Jays. We'll see. Maybe a couple of Tigers stacks, if that. If I may just get, I just may get all the Angels and the Brewers. So here we go. We're almost there. See, here we go. Oh, tie, oh, tons of nationals, right? So it's one. So we see pitcher wise, Stroman and Peralta, the two highest projected pitchers, makes sense. We go to stack summary. Yeah, it's 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 basically all it's all Washington. 
It's trying, because it's trying to spend all the money. With Abby Garcia, with, okay. So that, yeah, because the pitchers, we don't have like high-priced pitchers here. Here, Tyrone Taylor is a one-off. Right, we see it right here. So like if you did nothing, Justin Upton, one-off, right? Tyrone Taylor, one-off. Abby Garcia, Nomar Mazzara, one-off, 2,200. Kyle Lewis, there's there's a one-off. Kevin Biggio. This is going to create a ton of these types of lineups. So if you didn't do anything, you'd be, oh, I'm getting so many nationals and not anything else. Well, yeah, well, you have to tell it what you want. So people get to like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a ton of nationals based on the bat projections. But they're also gonna be owned, right? They they should be owned. And people will use tools like this and end up with way more nationals and angels and brewers than if than they should. If they were paying more attention, probably, probably they'd be curtailing that. So that's how you take advantage of it. Because people don't know how to use the tools well. They're going to let the tool tell them who to play. We don't do that. I tell the tool who to play. You're the tool. You're the tool. I'm not the tool. Right? So you can see here on DraftKings, it's like this, but obviously the sites are different. We go to the FanDuel. So this is the DraftKings, and here's the FanDuel stack. Because obviously the prices are different. So now we take a look at this. We see tons of Marlins, Diamondbacks, Tigers. See, the Nats are up there. So they'll, they'll be there. But where are the Angels and the Brewers? Like, here's the Angels all the way down here. So not much. Where are the Brewers? Brewers, kind of middle of the road. Right? Because the pricing, they're more competitively priced on FanDuel. So we're going to have Marlins, Diamondbacks, Tigers, Indians, Royals. Still Nationals. Because the Nationals are still a little bit underpriced. So it depends on the depends on the depends on the site that you're on. So let's do the same thing. We're going to do four fours on FanDuel. Okay, just to just remember these aren't the lineups that I'm playing or anything. I'm just putting it in. Let's do 150 lineups on FanDuel that are four four with nothing else. Just what's the top projected everything? Don't care about ownership. Don't care about nothing. Or to build. I'm assuming it's going to be a lot of Strowman. Strowman's even cheaper on FanDuel. He's going to have to spend the money, though. So that's why you probably may not see as many Marlins. Probably see more Nats, more Braves. I think we'll see Braves, Blue Jays, maybe. Astros, maybe. Because the Marlins, Diamondbacks, Tigers, these are very cheap. So it's going to want to get more raw points, right? Instead of leaving money on the table. We're up to 25. Okay, it takes a while. Takes a while. Let me go through YouTube chat a little bit. Do, 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 do. 
Michael Dampier asks, uh, just purchased the bat. Cardi mentions that his daily team totals don't align with Vegas. Right. He projects the team total himself. They're an interface that shows the bat's calculation of team total. Yes, it's on EV Analytics. If you go into the bat Discord channel, there's a link uh, pinned, a pinned message in the bat Discord for EV Analytics. You have to give it your email address. You have to sign up for an account there. It's free, though. Uh, let's see. Going through, going through, going through. Yeah, everyone, yeah, everyone's answering the questions already. Right, Eric Brunick has the right answer. The site, yeah, the EV Analytics site uh, doesn't include the bat projections, just the summary, the team total, yeah, just kind of the summary page. Yeah, it's taking a little longer because I'm trying to build four fours instead of just like five X's. Don't take that long on DraftKings. Just trying to make as many combinations as it can. Because I also have number of unique players. One. I mean, I just just like just give me give me the give me the top lineups. You can also see in lineup HQ, we have new uh setting savings. We have two new buttons here. Because what ends up happening, what it used to be, what it, I'll show you what it used to be. What it used to be under build rules is that all these rules would save for all of lineup HQ. So if I left these settings, these build rules settings, anywhere I go, it's going to look like this. So if I move this to three, it's going to be three everywhere, right? But what happens if you're building multiple sites, Right. What happens if I want a certain uh, settings for DraftKings, but I'm also but I'm playing DraftKings and I'm playing FanDuel and I'm playing Yahoo at the same time for the same slate, right? Do I want these to move, right? I may want different settings for DraftKings and FanDuel. For basketball, maybe I'm playing basketball also. So now I have multiple tabs open. Do I want the same settings? No. And it's it's a pain in the ass to okay, let me go through DraftKings, build my lineups, and then I have to go to FanDuel, and I have to change change it to the FanDuel ones that I want. And then let's say I have to go back to DraftKings. Well, now I have to change the build rules again because it's only saving a snapshot of one, no matter what you use. Well, now we've had that separated. Now it's saved to the slate specifically, the sport and the site specifically. So if you don't save your defaults, You'll just get the 10, the regular, no normal default day in and day out. You'll get 10 lineups, one with basic defaults. So now you could save these. Let's take a look. Our FanDuel's still working. So let's say my normal, what I what I normally, maybe I normally build around 100 lineups. Maybe I normally have three unique players. Maybe I normally spend at least 49,000, Right. I may change it on a day-to-day basics, right? I may start with something like this. Like it's save, click the button. DraftKings MLB defaults were saved for this browser. So it, it caches into your browser. So anytime you open up a DK MLB slate, it will look like this for build rules. And you could reset it, reset, right? You could reset everything. So I go to FanDuel and set... In my build rules, I could save FanDuel MLB defaults. So you could do that now. 
They just put that out yesterday because people were complaining back and forth. Because the reason they added added that it saves to the slate is because what happens if you're working on multiple sites with different build rules? Well, if you're only working on one site, then you don't you don't realize that that's an issue, right? It's just like, well, I'm going to keep my settings, right? So people would wake up in the morning and go, oh, why are my settings gone? I have to redo my settings every day, even though my default this is what I normally use or something. Whatever settings they use, they put in. They always use the same ones. I consider that a fault flaw. Shouldn't be using the same ones. It depends on the lineups that you're looking to build. But if we have it so it always saves in one place, no matter what site you're on, then it screws with the people that play on multiple sites. So at you know, 10 minutes before lock, I can't be constantly resetting my settings because I'm working on DraftKings and I'm working on FanDuel and I'm working on Yahoo and I'm working on SuperDraft or whatever. So that's why we added, now you can save your own defaults that saves to the site and the sport. So it'll help out. So let's look at FanDuel. What happened on FanDuel? Let's go to my lineups. What did we get? Okay, all the Strowman, obviously. Right, all the Strowman. Peral, and then yeah, a bunch of little arms, but mostly Strowman. Stack summary. Yeah, Washington, Miami. Right? We can even look at the combinations. Yeah, Atlanta, Miami, Miami, Washington. Right, a ton. Miami, Washington, Atlanta, some San Diego, right? Obviously, spend the money. Right, because if we look at the salary, low to high, it should spend most of the say at twenty-eight two. There's some lineups that are that that high projected that are well because it's trying to fit in four fours, even five thousand on the table. I guess you can Miami. Right, because it's, it's trying to stack. Right, because if it was four three one, we'd get we get uh, get better lineups. That you don't leave five thousand on the table, seven thousand on the table. So trying to get four fours, but we could see here by looking at the FanDuel stacks page for the bat because that's the projections that it's using. You get a sense. You don't even have to run it. I know I'm going to see a lot of Marlins. I know I'm, I look at the ceiling here, the points here, right? I know I'm going to see a lot of Nationals, Braves, Blue Jays, Astros. Because it's going to want to mix in high point per dollar value and raw points. So what's the combination of that? I know I'm not going to see many Padres. I'm going to see I'm going to see some because they're still the highest projected team in raw points. They're just really expensive. But like the Dodgers, I may not see any. Not see much of the Dodgers. Not see much of the Phillies even. Obviously, not see much of the you know the Pirates or something. You know, like whatever. I don't even, they're not even on the slate. The Mets. Right, look, the Mets are expensive and they project poorly. Right? The Cardinals against Peralta. Like, I'm not going to see much of anything, if anything. By just looking at the 150 top, you know, optimal stacked lineups. But this is 4-4. So, like, if we switch over, I'm not going to do 150. Let's switch over to 4-3. So, what 4-3 does is allow... That one one off, and a lot of times it's going to go. It's going to it's going to try to just jam in raw points there, which is fine. But that's the main reason that we look at some of these lineups and see lineups that have let leave seven thousand on the table, twenty eight two, because it's I'm telling it it has to make a four four. I don't care about the ownership. I don't care about any of that. But look, it's a Braves Marlins 
four four. That projects for what one twenty five. The highest lineup is one thirty five. So only ten points off, and you're leaving like five thousand on the table. But now if we just make four three ones, I'm not going to build. I'm going to build. Let's build seventy five. Make it quicker. We should get better lineups than those. Right? Because it's going to be able to put in a Machado, a Tatis, someone in the utility, some high raw points, a Cunha Trout, something like that. So even though the Angels don't project well as a stack, right, here we go. Look, Acuna's 85%, right? So we get to now, now we start getting to see. We go low, low salary, right? 31-7. We're not getting those lineups anymore. Because it's giving you the same Diamondbacks Marlin stack. But instead of a four-man Marlin stack, it's giving you three entities for raw points. Right? We take a look here. Bryce Harper, raw points. That one-off. Garrett, well, Garrett Cooper, that's not really here. Acuna, there we go. Tatis. Corey Seagull, this is a Dodgers stack with Marlins, 4-3-1, Braves, Acuna one-off. Here's a Braves three-man, Marlins four-man, Tatis one-off. These lineups project better also. They're better than those 4-4. Four, four. So as long as they're under ownership, you'd, almost ra- you'd, you'd, you'd rather play the 4-3-1s. Right, we go through, screw here, we go through here, we, we see the same types of lineups. So don't automatically go, oh, I've got to build all 4-4s. Four, Got to build all four fours, and then and people what they do they go to build all four fours. They leave their they have their minimum salary to like thirty four point eight to thirty five thousand, and then they wonder why they can't build a hundred lineups. It's like there, there aren't mathematically lineups that exist like that. That you're forcing four from both sides of two different teams. You could more likely do this at four three one, gives it a lot more leeway. But then you you still like take a look at some of these lineups. You go to fantasy points high to low, like here, 33.9. This is 1,100 on the table. And it's the second highest projected lineup as of the projections as of 9.55 a.m. Don't go by them. So the second highest projected median lineup leaves 1,100 on the table. So imagine having the minimum salary being only, oh, I could only get 34.8 and above, right? Here's 33.7. Leaving 1,300 on the table. It's the third highest projected line. Leaving 600 on the table. Yeah, some of them, 35 even. Yeah, 35 even. 34, 8. 33, 3. Here's leaving 1,700 on the table. It's like one of the top 10 projected lineups. National stack, Marlins, three-man Marlins, Bryce Harper with Stroman. So imagine you went in. And you didn't realize those lineups even existed, right? Because you set your you set your minimum salary to be thirty four eight or something. Well, I can't leave thirteen hundred on the table. Well, it's projected higher. It's not. It's not anyone's fault. The sites didn't price them high enough. But if you did this, you wouldn't be aware of those lineups, and you'd be well, you'd go, oh, why can't I make these? Well, you can't because mathematically you can't. But this is how you could use doing runs like this just to see. You're not using these lineups. You're just looking. 
Use the stack projection if you if you have you know the bat. I mean, this will end up showing up, and if you run 150 lineups anyway, but I could just visualize this right here. Go, I'm going to see a bunch of this and a bunch of that. Okay, and then the second tier, the second level, is understanding that the bad projections and projections around the industry are not dramatically different. Now, the bad tends to be a little bit different, a lot more variables. But understand that most likely that on on DraftKings. That if you're getting a lot of nationals when you're running lineups, the other people are going to get a lot of nationals also. So understand you could you could take advantage of the projections themselves. So you look here at DraftKings and you go, if I sort by point per dollar, people are going to get Angels, Brewers, Tigers. They're going to get some nationals because they're high. Marlins, Phillies. But you look down here and you go, Braves on DraftKings? They have a high ceiling, right? They have a high ceiling, but they they don't rate well point per dollar. But remember, we're not care. We don't care about medians. We care about ceilings. So it's like Braves maybe maybe the type against Robbie Ray, maybe the type of team where they come in much lower owned because they're not as competitively priced, and people that use projections. And blindly go by medians by just a point per dollar, which are great for building lineups that cash in GPPs, but not necessarily ones that come in first place. The Braves come in under owned for their ceiling. Maybe the Astros come in under owned, or the Blue Jays come in under owned. The Phillies, maybe they come in more under owned than they should, just due to the fact that people blindly use projections for a median. And they let a tool tell them who to play. Which is not how you're supposed to be using it. My good players, this is what they do. I'm going to get high ceiling lineups that aren't going to be owned as much. And especially not going to be owned because every lineup is jamming in Tyrone Taylor. I mean, that's that's the type of thing that you should be doing. I take a look at this DraftKings build that we made with five. We did 5X, right? 5X lineup. We go by ownership. Like Dalton Varsho is in 47% of lineups. Mazzara is in 33% of lineups. Tyrone Taylor is in 9%, 13 lineups. Yeah, because it's jamming in some cheap guy in order to get you everything that you need. But that means Dalton Varsho is going to be jammed into a lot of other lineups that your opponents have. So you take a look at this. It's like, how do I build a lineup without Tyrone Taylor or Dalton Vorch? And you start Xing these guys out or play much less of them. Don't play, don't play the Nationals with them and Peralta and Strowman. You can see what the chalky type of builds are. Kyle Tucker's still only 3,300. How do I not play him in chalky lineups? And this is where, this is, this is where we start playing the game of DFS. But I can see here that Anyone that's using decent projections is probably going to get a lot of these, like, what what are these cheapies thrown in as one-offs? So maybe you choose to only play those guys in stacks if you're even playing those stacks. Doesn't mean you don't play them at all, but understand that these that's what the construct, these are the constructions and what it's going to look like. How do I exploit that? That's what I'm all about. That's That's game theory. That's what game theory is. You can learn all about game theory. For DFS and the theory of daily fantasy sports. 
how to think like a professional DFS player. It's a 15-hour audio DFS masterclass. Me and James McCall, 15 hours of structured education. A lot of stuff on the show I talk about. I mean, it's in it's in the course. But not piecemeal. Now, you got to watch a little show here. You got to watch the show from three weeks ago. You got to watch that. I mean, I talk about this stuff all the time. You probably, you probably could go back and watch every single DFS pregame show and get pretty much everything that's in this course. Probably. Right? For the most part. But it wouldn't be structured. It would be me answering questions, and it's all over the place. So here, it's like going to a seminar. 15 hours in your pocket. Game objectives, player selection, expected value, leverage, correlation, construction, risk management, exploits, and psychology. There's a bunch of testimonials here. Bunch of people love it. Go check it out. Theoryofdfs.com. Let's see. Anything in the YouTube chat before we get out of here? I guess not. Richard Hall said it's worth every penny. Every penny. Every penny. If you, if you, if you don't get, if you, if you, if you take the course and you don't get better, I don't know what else to tell you. They just might as well quit. You just don't get it or just play for recreation, which is perfectly fine. Recreationally hit that thumbs up button, hit the thummy thumbs, hit the thummy thumbs. You kept the apple juice cold throughout the show. Uh, Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Notification bell. I'll be on uh, uh, Grinders Live 5.15 Eastern with Kirkwood. Uh, talking about today's slate. I mean, once we get lineups and everything, you know, obviously, I don't know if we go by position by position, but we'll be talking about the slate. And then uh, then, then there's crunch time after that. For premium members, you get a premium membership to Roto Grinders. Click on the link in the description below. Get $10 off your first month. So we got a big 12-game slate today. Uh, should be fun. I'm, pl- I'm playing GPPs on FanDuel uh, today rather than DraftKings. I just did the, the structure of their $16 contest. I didn't want to play. They're, they're, they're running that 11-111, like with 100 max. I don't want to play that. So it's like I'll, I'll just play my lineups over on FanDuel today, and uh, we'll, we'll see what happens and then talk about it tomorrow because that's that's what I do. We do review. We talk strategy Give a little bit of a preview. Talk about the tools, whatever you want here on YouTube. That, that's what that's what I do. 11 o'clock in the morning Easterns, Monday through Friday, for the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. 